Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Good morning, good afternoon. You are watching The Hash on Coindesk TV, and maybe you're listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jen Sinassi, Wendy O, Will Foxley, and Sam Kessler are here with me today to break down the top crypto news stories. And we have some fun ones today. Who is taking it away first? Will, I think you got us with some Tom Brady news at the top of the show. Yeah, I don't know what to call this. Like, is it a thought piece? Is it like a memoir? Is it like, I don't know, going back through the trash and kind of looking for some juicy nuggets? Well, we got a lot in this story from the New York Times talking about Tom Brady's relationship with flamed out and failed exchange FTX, which is currently going through chapter 11 proceedings with its former CEO now going through alleged criminal fraud proceedings. This article basically details Tom Brady's time with FTX from the first inquiries of FTX to work with Tom Brady back in 2020 and 2021, all the way through the fateful days and the collapse of FTX back in November. A lot of great nuggets in the story if you're a fan of Tom Brady or just a fan of general intrigue. The most pressing, of course, that we have to get to is a revelation about Taylor Swift, which was incorporated at the very bottom of this piece. I think it should have been at the very top because it was new information. I agree. But essentially, it stated that No, Taylor Swift did not end this deal with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. It was the other way around. SBF left the deal lurking his inbox for over three weeks before he decided to not sign the $100 million sponsorship endorsement with Team Swifty. So a little bit of a change from the last story we had on this whole topic. Jen, any reactions there? Well, first of all, I also thought Taylor Swift should have been at the top. Second, we didn't have FTX in Canada. And the Eras Tour has also not announced any Canadian dates. And so, like, am I really the person who should be speaking about this? I thought it was interesting that we have that class action lawsuit uh, lawyer. His name escapes me right now. He was on the hash before who said Taylor Swift was the only celebrity who actually did her due diligence, who actually looked into what was going on and said, "Mm, maybe this is a security. And so I'm not going to enter into this deal. Now we have inside sources as reported by the New York Times, who say, actually, Taylor's team signed that deal and it was left in Sam Bankman-Fried's inbox. I wonder if, you know, this was the tipping point for him. He said, we've signed all of these sponsorship deals with all these huge celebrities. We've put our name on stadiums. 
Can we actually afford to give Taylor Swift $100 million? I would have loved to see the terms of that deal to see how much of it was going to be in FTT tokens. The piece also talks about how Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen were getting paid in, um, in tokens. And so just, you know, a little, a little walk down memory lane for me here. The interesting thing that I thought came out in this article was it's kind of like the underlying tone of this being like a bad industry and not just a bad player and bad product. They talked about how Tom Brady launched his autograph platform and now the platform is not seeing as many users. Revenue is down. They had to do layoffs. That is consistent across the space and also consistent across the tech space in general. And I wish that that would have been pointed out, but I'm sure the New York Times has a lot of problems with what I say too. Wendy? First off, I have to say, Shakira's breakup song was so much better than Taylor Swift's. I thought Taylor Swift's was absolutely terrible. <laughs> Team Shakira all the way. I'm and not again, here to pit women against each other. I love them both, Wendy. I'm, I'm just sorry, saying. Man. I'm yeah. sorry, man. I just Shakira gotta say and Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, you know, I'm just, you know, I just, I, I prefer um, stuff in Spanish because it's so much more dramatic. It's got so much more soul. <laughs> but anyways, I digress. I digress. This is a very interesting story. And of course, that key piece of information of Taylor Swift's team actually signing the deal is going to be at the bottom because that would contradict everything that mainstream media has said. And mainstream media does not like to be wrong. I feel like in the case with SBF, I know the criminal and the fraud and all of those different cases because there's multiple of them. We're going to be seeing a lot more information be revealed. And I think that it's going to be very interesting to, to catch all of these things that mainstream media has been obviously hiding or suppressing. And we've seen that in this article. And again, when there is a bad actor in any industry, there's a bad actor. Does it make the industry bad? Well, except banking. We know that the banking industry is inherently bad all the way around. Shout out to JP Morgan and all of the slap on the wrist fines that they pay. Sam, did you have a take on this? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. For one thing, I, I think there's been a lot of talk about celebrities no longer wanting to endorse crypto companies moving forward. And I think a lot of celebrities are going to stop maybe the Tom Brady's of the world. And, you know, we're probably not going to see Tom Hanks, who really cares about his brand, you know, um, doing anything for, you know, the future FTXs, whatever those are. Hopefully they don't exist or even something like a Coinbase, which is much more run of the mill. But I, I do think that we forget that the public and a lot of these celebrities and their teams have pretty short attention or um, memories when it comes to the sorts of products that, um, you know, people are willing to advertise. So, I, I mean, we were talking before the show, basically, about how the Kardashians are still, you know, shilling all of these different supplements and stuff. And they're not the only ones who kind of don't really care about who they're associated with as long as the money is there. So I don't think that this entire industry of advertising for crypto is going to disappear in the future. But one other thing that I just is a completely unrelated thing that this brought to mind for me is just the fact that Terra, the very collapsed crypto stable coin um, thing from yesteryear, it feels like so long ago now, is still a sponsor for the Washington Nationals because they signed a five year deal at I think like $40 million. And there's some behind the scenes drama there about like the Nationals not wanting to give that money back. But there is some irony around like we pick who we want to be angry at. So, you know, Larry David is getting sued for advertising this thing that nobody knew really was a scam through and through when he was doing it. But also, we're not yelling at the Nationals for still calling their, you know, box the Terra box. Anyway, I just think that there's some some irony there. But if I were a celebrity, I probably wouldn't 
frankly, you know, do what Tom Brady's doing. You are a celebrity. You're on the hash. Yeah, you're on the oh, hash. We talked about. Oh, you won't see me shilling any crypto companies. Um, <laughs> well, but, I think anyway. this is the thing. I feel like celebrities are going to come back. There's a bear market. We've seen these things happen time and time again. The celebrities are going to come back. People like money. Celebrities get a lot of endorsements, especially when we're talking about musicians. Musicians really don't get paid a lot. Um, but they make a lot in endorsements and they make a lot in ads and the same with influencers and the same. It's just kind of how marketing is shifting. So I feel like we will see celebrities come back in, especially big celebrities. I do think that the industry will get more refined as time goes on, hopefully in the US. It depends who we get in as our next president. So, you know, we just need some kind of simple guidelines like force exchanges to have res- to set funds aside. You know, we need to change the accredited investor law. We need to restructure the SEC. And if America could do that, we'll be okay. Unfortunately, it'll probably take about 10 years before we see any type of progress here while Southeast Asia continues to flourish. The celebrities haven't completely left, though. Like, if we just look at consensus alone, William Shatner was there shilling his NFT. I spoke to Dre from Cool and Dre, who said, like, the the music industry is still completely on board with NFTs in his. That's what he said on the panel. And so I think Mm -hmm. the celebrities are still around. It's just what we're seeing is a result of the entire industry just being... (sighs) Down. Although we're not that, we're doing, we're doing we're a doing little bit good. better now. Also, nobody's well, talking about the Taylor yeah. Swift deal was yeah. $100 million. <laughs> like, can you really be that mad at her for, for you know, being angry when they... Of course. We have to blame funds. everybody else for, for our money. actions. We can't take full responsibility, even though we're supposed to be operating in a true decentralized economy. Come on now, guys. <laughs> Jen, take us away from this conversation. Okay. Take us away. To, that's no that's Will's input. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's turn away to some more pressing news. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink says Bitcoin could, quote, revolutionize finance in an interview with Fox Business on Wednesday. Previously known as a skeptic, Fink's comments come after the iShares unit of BlackRock filed paperwork with the SEC for that spot Bitcoin ETF that we've been talking about. Feels like forever, but I feel, but it's only been like a week and a half. Will, I'll toss it off to you. What do you make of Larry Fink's comments? I kind of walked away with uh, frustration on Twitter because basically this video was plastered everywhere. You couldn't scroll on the feed yesterday without seeing this video pop up. Now to like the substance of it itself, really great stuff and also really intriguing that the fact that he was saying this, of course, like you said, Jen, this comes after the FTX or after the ETF news that they are pushing forward with it with the surveillance agreement with Coinbase, they've refiled and they're in the running with all these other ETFs who have filed over the years. Now his comments in the video were two parts, right? One part about crypto being an asset class and the second about Bitcoin specifically being digital gold. Now, not to read into it too much, because a lot of times people in these positions who sort of have like a wider understanding of the financial space, but not necessarily crypto or Bitcoin in general, they kind of use the terms interchangeably. So it's hard to know really what he was saying there. Was Is he a Bitcoin bull and thinks of Bitcoin as gold? Or is he think of all crypto sort of having gold-like quantities about it? It's hard to know. I would assume it's probably the former. They think like Bitcoin has some gold-like tendencies and all these other digital assets could have properties that are emergent and useful over time. And that leads me to like my second thought, maybe conclusion from this is maybe this is not the only ETF they're going to put forward, right? Like it's not only going to be a Bitcoin ETF. Maybe there's an Ethereum ETF in the future. Maybe there's another token as well. Maybe there's a basket of tokens that incorporates things like a Coinbase or a Bitcoin miner and Bitcoin or Ethereum, stuff like that. So I think there's more on the horizon if you're seeing the head of this huge company going forward and promoting something like that. Wendy? Do you really want my take? I feel like it's a little bit too early for my take, guys. Okay, we'll give it I to think... Sam and then you. Okay, yeah, give it to Sam and then, then yeah, I'm trying to catch my breath here. Okay, give it to Sam. Um, you know, I'll make a, a quick take. I, I wrote down like one of the quotes here um, about how he was talking about 
you know, when, when he was praising the virtues of blockchain technology, he talks about when you have a quote unquote pure blockchain. Um, and then he's like, if you know who the buyers and sellers are, then, you know, it, it's a positive thing for the financial ecosystem. So first off, I have no idea what a quote unquote pure blockchain is. I guess Bitcoin would be in some senses is I don't know if he knows what like a so, so, so like whatever. But I, I don't know what if he knows what he's talking about when it comes to any of that. So I do take some of it with a grain of salt. And he talks about if you know who the buyers and sellers are, that's kind of antithetical to the Bitcoin maxis, I would assume when it comes to the privacy of this technology, we still don't know who Satoshi is. And I think that that still is a core principle. So anyway, one thing that this reminded me of without actually putting any opinion on it myself, is just the fact that I do think that there is, again, going back to ironies, this weird thing that we find in these bear markets, where the same folks who are espousing the, the you know benefits of blockchain technology when it comes to getting rid of intermediaries, adding transparency, but also increasing privacy. Those folks are all very excited when institutions come in and kind of, you know, in this ham-fisted way, talk about the technology and bringing it to more people. How, how does this actually democratize Bitcoin? I don't know for it to be an ETF when you could easily just go on Coinbase and buy Bitcoin right now. Anyway, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have full opinions. I just think it's kind of funny to see people excited about this thing. That when is going to explode? From. I'm like, I'm, I'm so triggered right now. All right, let me just read the tweet that I like, oh, no. put out. Because oh, I'm no. like, I'm so triggered. On, That's folks. what she wanted the time for. I said, BlackRock is about to be accepted by the Bitcoin maxis. I thought the point was removing third-party predators and being your own bank. Self-custody will die. More importantly, I'm excited to get rich and ride the grift wave. I own Bitcoin. <laughs> I've invested in Bitcoin. I'm excited because I'm going to make a lot of money. My whole, my whole thing is, is, yes, Bitcoin is open source. It is for everybody. That's great. Fantastic. Fine. But the goal is to remove the banks, to remove traditional finance, to remove these entities that create gaps between the rich and the poor. Bitcoin allows for anybody to participate. And that's what we're seeing now. And I personally believe with this BlackRock ETF or all the other ETFs that are getting integrated, that will probably get integrated, it's going to continue to make people lazy in the United States and not want to actually self-custody their Bitcoin. You're giving your Bitcoin to like a fourth party to hold for you. Yes, that's okay for retirement. I get it. But at the same time, isn't this supposed to be digital gold? Isn't this supposed to be a hedge against the collapsing banking system and all of these other third-party predators? Like To me, it doesn't make sense. But again, I'm more than happy to profit off of it and make a lot of money as more capital gets injected by the big boys. So that's my take on it. I think this is a win for the space, honestly, Wendy. I agree with you. I think that's the goal, but it's not going to happen tomorrow, right? And if we juxtapose this story against that FTX story we just spoke about, here we have this huge traditional finance figurehead that's coming out and saying, actually, I changed my tune. Like before I was a skeptic on this thing. Now I kind of believe in it for all of these reasons. And there's this ETF which just gives another option to people. People can still hold their Bitcoin. They can still self-custody. Yes, maybe they're lazy and they're going to opt for something else, but maybe they'll get there eventually. I don't think this is going to change overnight. And I think when we talk about mainstream adoption, having someone who's been out in the public so adamantly against the space change their mind, especially when stories like that New York Times piece are, are coming out, I think it's a win. Will? Yeah, we only got a few seconds here. So I will disagree with Wendy. I think that decentralization is a spectrum and that some people will be able to self-custody, which is the best option. Some people won't want to do that and they're going to need an ETF product with their broker. 
And it's okay because everyone will have Bitcoin where they need it. And hopefully more people self-custody over time. But that <laughs> option is there for the first time in human history, right? Yes, a lot of times exactly. we didn't have the ability to do that. So the fact that Bitcoin presents that option is Sam, good. actually are you, are you with Wendy? Hold, hold up, hold up, guys. We do actually have traditional finance folks that create custom SEPs, 401ks, IRAs um, with Bitcoin. I actually participate in one to help offset taxes. And that's the only reason why. So I pay less. But we already have those products available. So... That's all I'm saying. Facebook parent Meta launches Twitter rival Threads, and Twitter also receives three state money transmitter licenses, and that is according to Decrypt, well, the Twitter news. So Meta launched its new Threads app. I actually joined, and I feel like because there's not a whole lot of people over there, there's better engagement, there's better interaction. However, I already have an impersonator that created an account that is trying to scam my followers. I'm going to actually critique this before I get into the Twitter, um, the Twitter money transmitter license. As a cringe fluencer shock jock that does this 24 7, 365, there's a lot of flaws here. The biggest flaw is you can connect it to your Instagram account, but you cannot import your followers over, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I feel like all of your followers should be able to be imported over. And I think what they should have done is done one app because there's so many different apps out there and it just kind of makes it hard. So that's my critique on that. I think that it's important to, you know, talk about this stuff. Next, Twitter awarded three state money transmitter licenses. I'm in New Hampshire, Michigan, Missouri approved it. And the platform is, will now be able to start expanding into its payments and other financial services. I know that they, I think you can use Stripe and PayPal for your subscribers and whatnot. I believe that I use that. But overall, it's interesting to see these guys compete, especially with their big fight happening soon. I want to kind of toss this over to Will because I feel like this is could be kind of a sports story at the same time. Is this a rivalry because of their their fight that they're having or or is it just two nerds that are trying to out tech each other? Where's the swipe? Sports are not nerdy and and tech isn't nerdy. It's just funny to say that. We do need the MMI fight between Elon and Zuck. Uh, no, like the new product is interesting. I was trying to get onto it this morning right before the hash. I guess you have to have an Instagram account, which I don't. So you got to make that first and then you can log on. I think there's a lot of people coming for the Twitter throne right now because Elon has upended things so much. He tweeted last year that they were going to test in prod, which has a lot of similarities with the cryptocurrency industry, especially the DeFi industry, which notably does test in production quite often. And that can make the user experience pretty awful. Like I was alluding to earlier with the last story in the ETF and Larry Fink, that's all I could really see on Twitter yesterday, just because they've changed Twitter so much to where you just see a lot of the same content over and over again. People are feeding into the algo that way. I think Elon's sort of testing it. At the same time, you have someone like Mark Zuckerberg, who has a lot of dominant applications already built. They're not sitting on their laurels, right? They changed everything to Meta over two years ago at this point now. And they've started transitioning to a lot of different apps and trying to build them up. And I guess Threads is the next one, right? Which take on Twitter, which take on the organic microblogging that has been a successful company that has gone public. We'll see if it takes off. A lot of these products do fail. And in cryptocurrency and in Bitcoin specifically, there's been a few, right? Noster is a big one right now. But to your point, Wendy, the engagement's often pretty low because not... Or engagement's high because not a lot of people are there. And so a lot of these products do die on the vine after a while, right? So that's kind of what I see happening here. But I'm definitely going to try it out, I suppose. Jen? I get... Well, really quick. Sorry, guys. I Just so you guys know, I get like two to three emails per week about new brand new social media platforms that they want me to migrate over to. And I tell them no every single time because they're basically asking me to take my audience over there. This product threads is a little bit different because it's already established by an established company. 
But again, these products generally die out and they don't do well, um, just from what I've seen over being a um, shock shock the last couple of years. Jen? Yeah, I was speaking to someone who worked at Meta previously recently and asked what their perspective was on everything that was going on. And they said, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg is obviously very smart, recognizes trends very quickly, and he moves really, he moves really quickly. And we saw that, you know, when there was the threat with Snapchat, when there was the threat with TikTok, how Instagram was able to adapt to that and offer new features to get users to stay on Instagram for longer. Facebook is still the largest social media app in the world, followed by YouTube. And then I believe it's WhatsApp and Instagram. Facebook owns three of the products I just mentioned. And so if anyone is going to do it, I think it will be Facebook. But at the same time, I think they have an uphill battle to actually get users off of Twitter, out of that environment, into a whole new environment to recreate that same culture, I think is going to be an uphill battle that I, I don't know if Facebook has really done that. They've just kind of acquired things and, and copied things. Sam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, before we transition to the next story, I th the, the only thing I'll say is that I, I think a lot of the talk has been in terms of winner takes all. And I don't think it's going to be a winner takes all sort of a thing. If Mark Zuckerberg makes his platform more of kind of a mindless sort of scrolling, interesting, fun experience, whereas um, Twitter, if it stays kind of in the, the more, well, I, I don't know. Twitter's also, it seems like trying to move in that direction under Elon rather than the more social graph oriented, trying to, you know, be on top of news type thing. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's winner takes all. They'll both kind of divide into their niches over time or one will disappear. Who knows? But yeah, maybe to move on to this next story, which is a complete unrelated thing. Um, back to crypto tech. Chainlink. Um, uh, this is a story I wrote. Um, I, I think I published it yesterday. So Chainlink is this Oracle network. Um, what they do is they bring blockchain um, or they bring data from off of blockchains onto blockchains. And they do this through a, you know, an ostensibly decentralized network of oracles. We wrote this story yesterday that's basically about how their proof of reserves product, which purports to bring proof of a um, crypto custodian's reserves from the real world, from these custodians, from companies onto blockchains. We talked about how that Chainlink product, in keeping with the mold of how Chainlink is built, doesn't actually do anything to it seems, bolster the credibility of those core proof of reserve claims. So proof of reserves was this big um, thing that's been around for a while, but became much, much more important with the collapse of FTX as stablecoin providers who back their tokens with real world assets and exchanges like Coinbase and Binance had to prove to users that they had as much money in custody, you know, as they claim to have. But, you know, there's lots of different ways to prove your reserves and none of them are as transparent as a actual blockchain would be. Um, and Chainlink, despite its marketing, might not um, you know, improve upon that. But there's caveats, and we can get to those. Um, does anybody want to come on, comment on this way different story? Will, let's, let's go I'll, to I'll you. I'll snag it. Yeah, the Chainlink story is, is interesting because it talks about like these things called oracles. Oracles are essentially price feeds. Uh, and they also have other types of oracles that allow you to look at reserves of assets. And oracles basically just report, right? They say, this person here holds this thing in their wallet, and then they distribute that information to a lot of different projects. In DeFi, we see oracles used for price feeds in order to like have liquidations or lending protocols work correctly. And then when it comes to a proof of reserves, we often see these oracles say, hey, this person has X amount of money in their wallet. You can use them. You can trust them. The issue with all this and the issue with everything between cryptographic proofs in the real world 
is that you have to have some sort of trust assumption there, right? We have to trust that someone is actually putting physical dollars in a bank vault somewhere and that that cryptographic proof can somehow read those dollars that are physical. And you can't really do that, right? Like you can't merge these two worlds. That's what makes Bitcoin so interesting, right? Is because the fact that Bitcoin is purely digital and it's purely cryptographic. You can always audit the reserves immediately just by running a node. A lot of these other platforms, these DeFi platforms, at the end of the day, they're using real world assets that you can't quite verify. Like at a certain point, you can't quite do it. And you can come up with schemes to make it better or more interesting or uh, allude to it being safer. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm sorry, you can't get a computer to, to read this because it just doesn't work that way. Different worlds. Jen? All right. We are going to leave it there. You can read Sam Kessler's story on Coindesk.com. Thank you for watching The Hash and for listening to us. I'm Jen Sinassi. We had Wendy O, Will Foxley, and Sam Kessler on the show. We'll be back again tomorrow. Same time, same place. We hope you all have a great afternoon. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit Radio Beats, B-E-E-T-S dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.